We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you. And here we are. The conclusion of the 2022-2023 regular season. The 49ers finished a shining 13-4. and Beating the Cardinals 38-13 to to close out the regular season. Sweeping the NFC West by a very, very handsome difference. I believe the 49ers scored like just under 170 points. And the rest of the NFC West scored like just over 50. It was an absolute beatdown of epic proportions when you're talking about what the 49ers did to their division this year. Very, very, very impressive. In terms of point differentials on the entire seasons, how many points the 49ers scored versus how many points their opponents scored, the 49ers led the NFL with a 173-point differential. I thought I saw a chart somewhere on the internet that that point differential, that 173, would put the 49ers towards the excuse me towards the top of the all-time list want to say somewhere in the top 10 range top of point differentials in the history of the NFL with a third string rookie last pick draft Last pick draft last pick in the draft quarterback for the last six games. The 49ers ended the season winning 10 games in a row. The longest streak in the NFL. It's really I'm saying this very slowly because it's all pretty ridiculous. This is the most impressive season we've seen from the 49ers in quite some time. In, in so many different ways. Typically, when, you know, when we're talking about the 49ers, we've kind of gotten used to the offense being decent, sustainable, okay, going all the way back to you know, the Alex Smith days. And then you've got a, a very, very strong defense. And this year, more so than in 2019, the 49ers very much have both. Talked about it in the last pod. I think... Since Christian McCaffrey showed up for the 49ers, the 49ers would be, if, if that were the, the sample size, the 49ers would rank, I think it was second in the NFL in terms of points per game behind the Chiefs. I thought I saw today as well that if you just took the time frame 
in which Brock Purdy took over the offense, going all the way back to the Miami Dolphins game, the 49ers would rank first in the NFL in terms of points per game. Because, I mean, let's go back and check it out. Starting at the Dolphins, the 49ers scored 33. Then they scored 35 against the Buccaneers, 21 against the Seahawks, 37 against the Commanders, 37 against the Raiders, and 38 against the Cardinals. That is a point differential well over 30 points a game since Brock Purdy showed up. So you're talking about a team that is firing on all cylinders right now. And if you're one of those glass half empty types that are like, well, who have they played? Well, going into that Buccaneers game, the Buccaneers had a top ranked defense. Then the next game was in Seattle to clinch the division. And it's not like Seattle's defense was anything to write home about, but anything in Seattle is never easy. Then you had a commander's defense that was also among the league's best. And they hung 37 on them. So this team has been has been performing for quite some time now. And it's just interesting to look look at it in terms of an entire season and how the team started out, I believe it was three and four, and they've won ten in a row. 49ers fans don't even remember what it was like to lose this season. It's like that. Oakland A's sign when the A's were on that historic win streak that just says, we may never lose again. And in terms of 2022 and 2023, that's exactly what the 49ers are hoping happens. They don't lose again. Think about it that way. The 49ers are three wins away from being in a Super Bowl. Now those wins are going to seem like, you know, mountaintops that, that we need to climb to the top of. But it's it's right there for them, and it's impressive what they've been able to do this season. It's impressive what they've been able to over to come. It's impressive that they've gone from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, and they see they like they've gotten better with every step. And that's not an indictment of Trey Lance. The guy had barely started playing. There's nothing saying that the for this 49ers team wouldn't have been able been able to do everything they did with Trey Lance, but that's not reality. We are only seeing what has happened, and this team has overcome a lot of trepidation to get to where they are now. And it's impressive. and I just invented a word right here for you guys. It's like impressive and pretzel. I don't know. Impressive. Number one turnover differential in the NFL, meaning they took away more than they gave away. I believe that was plus 13. I think the 49ers led the NFL with 20 interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's where that was at. So it just goes it just goes on and on. It's an impressive, impressive season by almost every single measure. And then you kind of take that spotlight and you shine it towards Brock Purdy. I mean, the man has been almost unbelievable since he got here. And I don't use that word lightly because I think it's a very overused word, the word unbelievable. But in terms of a seventh round, last pick of the draft quarterback, a rookie coming in and taking over a team like this, passer rating of 119, that ranks first. Touchdown since he came in, passing touchdown since he showed up, 11, that ranks first. Passing touchdowns per attempt, 8.9%. That ranks first. Passing yards per attempt, 8.85. That ranks first. Wins, five. Tied for first. If you took... What was my my Brock Purdy tweet yesterday? Let me scroll down on my Twitter. Brock Purdy... The 2022 draft's final pick led the 49ers to six straight wins to close out the regular season as the number two seed in the NFC. In those six games, Purdy completed 110 passes of 161. That's 68%. Almost nice. 1,308 yards, 14 total touchdowns, three interceptions, 115.0 quarterback rating. Elite statistics, and that is in six games. So you would multiply that times, not quite three, 
eight or something like that. So you're looking at a quarterback that's, you know, if that were to extrapolate itself out over the regular season, you're looking at a quarterback completing 3,500 yards, almost 40 touchdowns and like eight interceptions. You know, that's a very rough, just throwing it out there from looking at the numbers. Pretty unbelievable, unparalleled stuff. Like this just doesn't happen all the time. Everybody's waiting for for Brock to kind of implode on himself like everybody's expecting, and rightfully so, a seventh-round rookie to do, and it's just not happening. Against the Cardinals, Purdy's incompletions were, I mean, I, I didn't see a whole lot of bad throws. There were a pair of drops where the throw wasn't perfectly on target, but he was also side-arming it around a defender. One was to Juwan Jennings, the other to George Kittle. Purdy lofted a beautiful touchdown pass from the pocket, stepping up under pressure, throwing it to the back left corner of the end zone so George Kittle could fingertip catch it and get his toes down before falling out of bounds. These are throws, and this is a style of of play that we're just not used to seeing. Brock Purdy has been better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not sure it's close at this point. And I was very impressed with what Jimmy Garoppolo did this season. Don't really want to go down the road of it being any sort of a competition. But it just is its unreal what we've seen from Brock Purdy. And this story is about to get even more insane with the Seahawks coming to town for round three. In terms of the Cardinals game, not a whole lot worth breaking down there. Felt like kind of like a, a more serious preseason game obviously the 49ers needed to win it in order to hold on to that number two spot in the nfc the cardinals in the beginning of the game made us feel like they had some type of shot the 49ers maybe just dangled a carrot in front of them a little bit at the end of the half it was 21 to 13 anybody's game anybody's game end of the half it was 21 to 13 the final score was 38 to 13 In the first half, the Cardinals' drives were touchdown, punt, turnover on downs, punt, interception, touchdown, end of half. Compare that to their second half. Interception, fumble, turnover on downs, punt, interception, game's over. It was brutal. Now, you had Yamador Lenore, Deshaun Gibson, give up a really weird deep play to A.J. Green at the start of the game. A.J. Green kind of got away with a little bit of push-off, went up and head-topped Yamandor and Lenore, and neither of them could bring him down. Lenore was on the ground, I believe, and he just ran into the for the touchdown. It was kind of an embarrassing play, but... And then they, you know, the, the, the more concerning touchdown was the 12-play, 75-yard drive. That was the more concerning touchdown. But then, it seemed like after that, the 49ers defense got the hint and didn't let the Cardinals even come close to to scoring anything after that. In terms of just some notable takeaways from the game, in terms of just what we, you know, as far as a game goes, you were watching that game. It wasn't a very competitive game. The score is indicative of what we saw. So it's not necessarily worth breaking down too many of the performances in in a meaningful way especially when the 49ers were rotating starters throughout the second half. Josh Johnson came in, got some series. It, it, it was just one of those weird end-of-season games in which the 49ers didn't technically sit players, but they did once the game was, was pretty well in hand. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Couple notes though. Brandon Ayuk went over a thousand yards. Let me see what his... Uh should have put this up already, but let me see what his uh, his final end of season stats were. They should have them computed because it usually takes them a little bit to add the final game. Brandon Ayuk finished the season with 78 catches on 114 targets for 1,015 yards and eight touchdowns. Averaging, where's the per recept yards, you know, that's yards per game. Give me yards per reception, 13.0. Not bad at all. And that is obviously the, you had like Justin Jefferson driving for 2,000 yards. Obviously, that's a receiver in a much different place. We've talked about that. But for a receiver to hit the century mark is, it's kind of like a, a rite of passage, if you will. It's saying, look, you have what it takes to be a legit wideout in this league. Congratulations on your 1,000 yards. And we know that to be true of Brandon Ayuk. I think Ayuk is, in terms of if you were to place him, I've, I've said this recently, if you were to place him in a more active passing offense, and, and when you look at like the Vikings, that's a team that just constantly has to throw. They finish the season with a negative point differential. Yes. You heard that right. The 49ers, who had were like plus 175, the Vikings were like minus 19, yet somehow still won hella games. <laughs> that that um, Cowboys game where they dropped 50-plus on the Vikings, I believe, really put a dent into that. But Brandon Ayuk's uh, had an impressive season. Uh, I think he's a player that the 49ers very much want to keep around. Very much want to resign. I believe they can now hit him with the fifth year option. I believe that has to take place after the third year. So Brandon Ayuk is under contract for one more year, and then they can they can pick up the fifth year option with their which they're going to do no matter what. That doesn't mean they're not going to re-sign him and they're going to allow him to play on that fifth year option, let him hit the road. Um, but I think he's very much somebody this team wants to keep around. It's just going to depend on where, how the 49ers see Ayuk and how Ayuk sees the 49ers. You know, what does he feel like he could be more dynamic elsewhere? Are the 49ers slightly cap strapped with, you know, the impending Nick Bosa extension? You wouldn't think so with a cheap quarterback room they're going to have next year because inevitably you're going to have Trey Lance and Brock Purdy and neither of them are expensive. So, um, you know, they'll have some money to spend. George Kittle ended the season with 11 touchdowns. I believe he had 700-something receiving yards. Very impressive season for Kittle, who who definitely came on in a way that we know he was capable of coming on once Purdy came into the fold. Um, there is no better friend to a young quarterback than a, than a tight end, a good tight end. And we saw that. We saw that with George Kittle. Let me try and find his game logs here. Here they are. So let's go to the beginning of the season. Receptions, 4, 2, 5, 8 against Atlanta. 6, 3, 1, 4, 3, 2. Okay, so starting there, that's Miami. Okay, 2 is Miami. Then since then, he's been 4, 4, 6, 4, 4. 120 yards, 93 yards. But then if you go to the touchdown department, prior to Purdy's entrance, prior to Purdy's entrance, Kittle had 
two, three, four touchdowns. Since Purdy showed up, two, four, six, seven touchdowns. So it and and everybody, you guys all knew that. Everybody watching could see how much more dynamic Kittle, uh, a much more da- Kittle became a much more dynamic part of the offense once Purdy showed up. That was plain to see. So finishing the season with eleven touchdowns, which I believe was right there with like Travis Kelsey, um, is impressive, and it it symbolizes a little bit of a step forward in terms of what George Kittle is known for when it comes to playing the tight end position. 11 touchdowns is far and away his best season. Yes, he broke the record in 2018 with 1,377 yards, but in that year, he only had five scores. He only had 765 yards this season, but he had 11 touchdowns, which a tight end that'll put points on the board, that's a different That's a different story. So. Pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, season, career so far for George Kittle. I mean, don't forget, you're talking about a fifth-round pick that through six years has almost 400 catches for 5,250 yards and 31 touchdowns. That's pretty awesome. A little spoiled to go from the likes of Vernon Davis to George Kittle. That's for sure. To Sean Gibson, the 49ers veteran, uh, safety, free safety, strong safety, any safety you need him to be. He came down with two interceptions. They weren't like unbelievably unbelievable plays or, you know, I'm not trying to say he was just the, the league, league leading ball hawk out there, but he came away with two interceptions. Um, They're going to need him going into the playoffs because if there's one area of concern, I think if you polled 49ers fans, it would be the secondary, whether that's the Amador Lenore whether that's Deshaun Gibson, whether that's Talanoa Hufunga. I think everybody's pretty confident Traverius Ward can hold his own, but that is the area where they're going to need those players at their very best if they want to maintain the defense's integrity, if you will, because all the pass rush in the world isn't necessarily going to matter if if players are uncovered and Geno Smith can get the ball out early. Another big, uh, big, I guess you could say, event of the game was J. That was this was JJ Watt's final game, and about midway through the fourth quarter, I believe, uh, the refs kind of paused the game. They saw that JJ Watt was being subbed out. He walked off the field, took off his helmet, waved at everybody. 49ers fans recognized the moment, stood up, gave him a round of applause, started chanting JJ Watt. It was a special moment, and it was a classy moment for 49ers fans. Uh, kudos to them for recognizing what was happening and giving him the flowers that he unequivocally deserves. You're talking about a um, a first ballot Hall of Famer. And and for a guy that I don't even know ever won a playoff game, did J.J. Watt ever, ever win a playoff game? That's a, a hell of a compliment because he was just that damn good. One of the best to ever do it. He was the Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. And uh, special, special player, and it was cool to be able to witness that. He came onto the sideline, got a lot of hugs, was obviously emotional. His family was there. They were emotional. Speaking of family, George Kittle's grandmother, Lucky, turned 100 years old the day of the game and was at the stadium, and everybody sang happy birthday to her. It was such a wholesome moment. I loved it. It was awesome. 100th birthday. What a life. Imagine, I mean, it's 2023, so that's 1923, just after World War I. Imagine the things you saw. I don't even think automobiles had become commonplace yet. They were just starting to show up, I believe, around that time frame. Now, now she was young, but... I mean, you saw the invention of almost everything we use today. That's incredible. I remember we had the same conversation when my great-grandma died. She was 96. And I think she died somewhere around like maybe 20 years ago. And we talked about everything she had seen, the invention of the automobile, you know, the the, the creation of, of cities as we know them, the, every convenience we have, television, radio. I mean, it was just. In terms of their prominence, you know, obviously, when you when you learn the history of how things were invented, you end up realizing they were invented a long, lot longer before they kicked on. But anyways. 
Nick Bosa, just short of Alden Smith's franchise record of 19.5. Bosa had 18.5. Um, and he was pulled somewhere in the third quarter, so he didn't even have a chance to really go after it. Not really a, a, a you know, he may get it in the future. Wouldn't surprise me at, at all. But I think the defensive player of the year trophy that he's probably going to get the odds were so much in his favor that they just took them off the board and stopped allowing people to to bet on him, I believe. So I think that's a consolation prize for, 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 for Nick. So I don't think anybody feels sorry for him. Um, one, one little thing that I need to talk about that I had pop up in my Twitter feed after the game. I'm going to try and find it because it was just, a little ridiculous, and I'm not really going to use names because I'm not necessarily about blasting someone individually on the podcast. I'm not going to do that. Uh, the fact that this tweet even got a few likes is beyond me. Let me uh, let me let me look here. Make sure these likes aren't by any of our regulars. Yeah, I'm going there. Look, okay. So here's a tweet. Between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo and these 10 straight wins, the extensive investment into Trey Lance was clearly not required, no matter how good or bad he turns out to be. I mean, really? With everything the 49ers have been through, that is what is on your mind. The fact that the 49ers have... Fielded Trey Lance, who broke his ankle. Jimmy Garoppolo, who just, by the skin of his teeth, had already recovered from his shoulder surgery. Comes in, plays very meaningful, very effective football. And again gets hurt. I believe that we're at a point where in terms of seasons with the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo is at about 50% in terms of healthy versus injured seasons. And then gets hurt, and then uh, we are we are gifted with this incredible so far story of Brock Purdy. And the only thing you can think about is what was the investment in Trey Lance was not required. What hindsight world are you living in? I did anybody expect the last pick of the draft? To one, throw a pass, because I don't even think the the last pick of the draft, any quarterback pick last in the draft has ever completed a pass in the NFL, let alone came in and went 6-0 and to capture the number two seed for a playoff-bound team. The 49ers were somehow supposed to expect this to happen. The funny part about this tweet is between Brock Purdy and Jimmy G. Jimmy G is hurt again. He's currently not playing. That is the reason the 49ers felt compelled to go after a quarterback to begin with. They were sitting there with the 13th overall pick. They were within sight of trading up to get a quarterback, so they did it. And nobody at the time, I'm not going to say nobody because there's always those weirdos out there, the vast majority of the people at the time understood completely why they did it and were excited for the result. But fate had other plans. Trey Lance got hurt. Jimmy G stepped in by some miracle, remained with the team, signed an incredible backup contract that allowed him to step in and make some serious money while playing some outstanding football, and again got hurt, which blessed us with this Brock Purdy revelation. But to, to use that as some type of grounds to say that the investment in Trey Lance was not required. How long have you been a 49ers fan? And what team have you been watching over the last six years? Because this is now the third season, third in six seasons, I believe, where Jimmy Garoppolo has suffered a season-ending injury. I mean, I, I have absolutely no problem with the way 49ers have really handled anything. I didn't have a problem with signing Jimmy Garoppolo. I didn't have a problem with drafting Trey Lance. And I certainly don't have a problem with 
what's happening with Brock Purdy. I don't see how you could make a problem out of that. But to say that this somehow means that the the investment in Trey Lance was not required, the hell it wasn't. We all knew why they did it. Everybody did. And you're again, despite the fact that Brock Purdy showed up, put it this way. What if there was no Brock Purdy? And the 49ers lost five straight to close out the season because their backup didn't happen to be the miracle worker that is Brock Purdy. And now you're pissed at Jimmy Garoppolo, who has again gotten hurt. It's And I'm not blaming Jimmy Garoppolo for that. It's shit luck. I mean, I, I feel horrible for the guy. I don't feel that bad because the team, he played so well this year, and it was an ankle injury that he's going to be okay. He might even be Brock Purdy's backup throughout the playoffs. We'll see where that goes. And another team's going to pay him, I believe, handsomely next year. But nobody was confused as to why the 49ers felt the need to draft a quarterback. To me, that is wild that that's even on your mind. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the fact that the 49ers are in the playoffs. It's what the, the it's the whole damn goal. Yet somehow through all this the, you know this incredible smoke you found a way to focus on the fact that they shouldn't have drafted Trey Lance. I don't I just don't understand how you get there. I could I could do an entire podcast on how wrong that mindset is and and that logic is. But I it's I think the the five or so minutes I've just spent on it are are already too much. But to me that's and and we'll talk about adding the actual players to say that so that there's a chance that they see it on Twitter. Twitter, get get real, man. Get real. That type of shit is just stupid. It's just stupid. What is the what's the score of the Georgia game? What a disappointing national championship. I mean, shout out to Georgia because goddamn, rolling in there and putting a sixty-five to seven beat down on a thirteen and one. TCU team, that's special no matter what. A 14-0 season, special no matter what. Garrett Stetson. Stetson Bennett, excuse me. 18 of 25 for 304 yards and four touchdowns. And then I think he ran in a couple. Man, what a game. Anyways, playoffs. Playoffs. 49ers, Seahawks, round three. Fight. What an atmosphere that's going to be. What an atmosphere that is going to be. I mean, of all the teams that the 49ers could have possibly faced, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Lions, uh, to me, I was always, I understand the 49ers have have a, a crosshair all over Jared Goff, but the Lions were the team that that I felt the most threatened by in terms of what they could do to the 49ers. When you look at what they're capable of doing, now they haven't always executed, but you've got a team with a fantastic offensive line, a capable quarterback that's that's been been all the way. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but he's he's been there. Excellent receivers, two excellent running backs. Defense isn't much to speak of. But they've got an offense that's capable of scoring at any point. So I always were like, man, I don't know. Everybody's kind of sleeping on the Lions. I understand they haven't been great. None of these teams have been great. But Lions have some weapons. They went into Green Bay and beat them. The Lions had, with the Seahawks win, the Lions had already been eliminated from playoff contention. But they went in there to deny Green Bay the chance, and they did. Aaron Rodgers didn't look great. But I was never I never considered him anything to worry about in the playoffs when it comes to the 49ers anyways. A healthier Aaron, healthier younger Aaron Rodgers was wasn't a match for the 49ers in the playoffs. And uh it seems like he's he's steadily making his his natural decline. And then you now you've got the Seahawks. The 49ers certainly haven't struggled with the Seahawks this season. The Seahawks offense, I mean, what have the Seahawks scored on the 49ers this year? If you're talking about 13 points, 13 points. The Seahawks offense scored 13 points against the 49ers in their last game in Seattle, which 
even that score makes it seem closer than it was. I believe in the fourth quarter, it was like 21 to six, but you know, points are points. Seattle drove down the field, made it a game there towards the end. The 49ers iced it with a nice little Jordan Mason run. I think you also had a pick six that was wiped out there from a shitty call on Nick Bosa. Um, you also had the Brock Purdy interception that should have been picked off by Quandre Diggs. It wasn't, it's a weird game, but I don't think it was quite that close. At least it didn't feel that close. And then you go all the way back to when they played him in the, in the, in the early in the regular season, 49ers beat him 20 to seven and the seven only came from a blocked kick. So in terms of offensive production against the 49ers in two games, the Seahawks have 13 points to show for it, but this is the playoffs. Things get weird. It's a division rival. Things get weird. The 49ers are heavily favored by by two scores. And that seems a little heavy to me, but you never know. We're going to talk about all this later in the week. The game, by the way, is on Saturday at 1.30. The 49ers got shafted with the Saturday afternoon game in the playoff slate. I think Seahawks 49ers... Uh, in the playoffs deserves more than that. History would tell you it deserves more than that. But, you know, whatever. I get it. I get it. Let's get to, uh, before we, uh, again, we're going to talk 49ers and Seahawks later in the week. We're going to get after that um, later in the, I'll record that on my normal Thursday night time frame, and we'll talk about it, about what to expect. Um, We'll get into that, but that is exciting. You know, the first one, the time the two teams faced, you had a blowout. Second team's, not quite a blowout. You know, we talked about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk. Let's get to your takeaways. Um, I purposefully didn't. Uh, one, your takeaways were sent. Normally, I would get to them the night of the game, but I was at Levi Stadium, made the trip home, um, and didn't have enough time to podcast. So uh, I'm getting to them right now. Purposefully didn't push it too much. I wanted the people that replied to that first tweet to I didn't push it too much because I was going to recording it today. You know, I didn't I just didn't want to want to act like it was going to be, you know, an immediate return on your investment when I wasn't even recording it until the next day. But something tells me that those of you that have been here for the takeaways found a way to jump in. So let's get started. Right up top, we've got Mike McVeigh. Of course, of course we do. 10 wins in a row, 49ers completely dominated the last 3 quarters. Time for the playoffs. What a great way to end the regular season and go into the playoffs as the number two seed. Go Niners. Nice send off for Watt with two sacks. That fortunately didn't affect the game. Yep. Um, The 40, Spencer, uh, no, Aaron Banks, excuse me. Uh, He was not in the game. Let me click on this real quick. My computer um, just updated area flood watch in effect for Fresno, California. Yeah, it's been raining nonstop all day. Uh, I got to go out and I could check my camera to see if things are flooding, but um, hopefully not. Like I told you in that last podcast, this the rain can get all the way up to. It looks normal. It looks normal. We're good. Sorry. JJ Watt did have two sacks. Um, the 49ers were without left guard Aaron Banks in that game. And it looked like that may have kind of sent the offensive line into a little bit of a, they just seemed a little, a little shaky. Purdy was um, scrambling a bit more than we used to took a few sacks, not the worst deal. Daniel Brunskill, I believe stepped in for Aaron Banks. Uh, Aaron Banks is expected to be back for the Seahawks game as is linebacker Dre Greenlaw, who Kyle Shanahan said he, he hopes he's going to be practicing this week. We'll see. Kyle Shanahan said last week that if if it were a playoff game, he could play. So I'm assuming he's going to be playing this week. Um. So yeah, the offensive line just seemed a little shaky, but eventually they kind of found their uh, found their rhythm. And if you go back to that game in terms of drives, we always like to talk about the drives. Um. The 49ers in, in throughout the game, it was touchdown, punt, 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 touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, punt, punt, downs. And again, in the fourth quarter, you had a different quarterback coming in the game. Things were kind of just, just it, it was already iced at that point. But the 49ers did more than their, you know, we always talk about how Kyle Shanahan loves to defer, win the coin toss and defer. So they get the ball back at the end of the second half. And they always try to find their way to score at the end of the second half. And then it's called lapping the opponent where you get the ball back to start the third quarter and you score again. 
49ers did that in spades. They went touchdown, touchdown, halftime, touchdown. So um, a big uh, a big series there, followed by a field goal and a touchdown. So um, thankfully that offensive line kind of found their footing, but it was a little weird at one point. J.J. Watt did get two sacks, and one of his sack celebrations, he just stepped forward and did a bow, which I thought was pretty cool. Omar Figs. Ten straight wins. Very excited to see how far this team goes with the undefeated superstar Brock Purdy. Seems like the offense is catching up to the defense in eliteness. It's a good point. Yes, they are. My biggest takeaway from this game is that Purdy loves tight ends, don't we all? Let's go Niners. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, man, Purdy's connection with Kittle is something else. Those two have really blossomed, which tells you that there is untapped potential in Kittle. We've seen that potential, especially in the record-breaking season, but even in terms of red zone and making contested catches, both of his touchdown catches against the Cardinals were on the acrobatic, impressive side. They weren't gimmies. So it's good to see that part of his game kind of step into the forefront. Tony Nagatani. Tony Nagatani. The 2022 49ers are the most impressive regular season 49ers since 1994. Yep, I believe that's this is the longest win streak for the team, too, since 1994. So definitely agree with that. Uh, Rob Louder laughs at my jokes. Hell yeah, I do. I am one easily amused and I love laughing and I love laughter and I love being a goofball. As you guys can tell, it's we need more laughter in the world. So I will continue to laugh at your jokes as much as I can. We may not be the most handsome roster in the NFL anymore since Jimmy G went out, but this team is definitely the hottest. I got you. Less points allowed by this defense than Harbaugh's best year. Let's go get a ring. It's there. And what I love about this this quest here, pun intended, is it's uh, you know, it's just such an incredible story with Purdy. And so it's cool to think about. So much work to be done. I mean, you think about those teams that are gonna be awaiting if the 49ers can make it to the show. Think about those AFC teams that are gonna be waiting, but Either way, this 49ers team is scary for any team. Christian Navarro, put in Jenkins for Lenore or give have Gibson always help Lenore, Lenore over the top. Uh, Lenore, I mean, you saw Gibson was helping him over the top, and that's that A.J. Green touchdown. So I'm not sure help over the top is always the solution. Lenore seemed like he recovered for the most part in that game. Gave up that first play and then for the most part bounced back. But I, I do think the 49ers are probably going to switch things up for the playoffs when it comes to their cornerback situation. I think you'll probably have Charvarius Ward following whoever they consider the Seahawks best receiver. And then Lenore will have the other one. What, what Bill Belichick was, was famous for doing was doubling the best receiver and then having the best corner cover the second best receiver. So essentially you had both of them blanketed. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers kind of went that route. Jeffrey K. Lyles. Great way to wrap up the season. Too bad the Giants weren't trying to play today. But let's keep the momentum rolling and throttle Rodgers again. Yeah, I was – I was, and the coach after last week's game said, no, we're not resting starters. And then that, that throughout the week he eased up on that. And they ended up resting a, a, quite a few of their starters. And they still almost beat the Eagles. And so, man, if if the Giants would have played their starters, which I thought they were going to do against a divisional opponent, you could deny them the number one seed. And I think that would have meant they were playing them again. I and mean, think about that. If the, if the Giants just went out there and, and managed to put it on the Eagles, you would be beating them, denying them the number one seed, giving it to the 49ers. And then I think they would have been playing them again the next week in the playoffs. Like, that is like a demoral, a chance to seriously demoralize a divisional opponent. But they elected the safe route, which I don't blame them. And the Eagles uh, maintained their number one seed with the win over the Giants. So um, obviously Lyle expected Green Bay to beat the uh, beat Detroit because he said, and keep the momentum rolling and throttle Rodgers again. Well, Rodgers lost, so it's not going to be Rodgers. It will be uh, Geno Smith. Interesting. So, Graz, are we at a point where the offense is as trustworthy as the D, if not more? I think it's. I think the offense is as trustworthy as the defense. The only thing that gives me a slight pause is obviously Brock Purdy's only been under center for six games, whereas the defense has kind of, for the most part, been doing it all season. 
But even then, we've seen them have slip-ups. So I think it's fair to trust them equally. I, I wouldn't blame you if you were trusting it more. Never would have thought that six weeks into the year. Nor would I. Nor would I, my friend. Also, we need an investigative journalist to look into why Jimmy hates George on the field. Kilo per game stat splits with and without Jimmy are funny. Yeah, it was... I mean, I don't know what it was. I honestly don't because Jimmy and, and Kittle have had a great connection in the past. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he had a bad connection with Jimmy. I think Jimmy was just a little more confident and kind of spreading the ball around. Uh, you know, Ayuk was getting a little bit more love with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think it's anything worth worrying about per se. Um, but Kittle has definitely come on to the offense since Purdy took over. JF, too fresh. Kyle's glad Kyle stopped trying to get cute with the play calling after the first quarter. Uh, I think you're kind of talking about that like Purdy run that where he got tackled in the backfield. I think that was a broken play and they just tried to make the most of it. I think Kyle Shanahan said after the game, that it was supposed to be a handoff, but we didn't know that then teams started clicking. Once we were hitting the runs and screens, Purdy just looks incredible. Brett Hart out there. Oh, and awesome for the team to play a clip of JJ Watt out there. Future hall of fame. Yep, for sure. It was classy. Um, it was good to see the 49ers were prepared for, for J.J. Watt's last game and 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 made it memorable for him. Tag him and bag him. Watching the, I bet you you didn't you did not think I would get that name. You know, like if you if you see his name on Twitter, you probably wouldn't look at it and instantly be able to recognize tag him and bag him. But I come from the from the gamer universe. I am a gamer through and through. I've been playing video games since I was um, could hold a controller um, since the original Atari. And so when I see a good gamer tag, I recognize it. And tag them and bag them would be a great gamer tag. Probably already taken because we know how that goes. But uh, my gamer tag is Lieutenant Simple Jack, by the way. If you know the reference, I love you. Watching these other backups try and play further magnifies just how impressive Purdy has been. I agree, man. I mean, we've, as a 49ers fans, have watched what these backup quarterbacks have looked like. Y'all have watched what, what CJ Beathard has looked like, what Nick Mullins has looked like, what Brian Hoyer has looked like. Um, and per, Brock Purdy does not look like that. Brock Purdy is not normal. And, and it, I'm, I'm still to this point wondering like, when is it going to change? Or is, is reality going to smack the 49ers in the face or is Brock Purdy and that team just going to continue to ascend? It's just wild. Uh, Milo, nothing really groundbreaking to add except good day from Australia. We're going to win the Super Bowl and let's have a beer. Let's go, Milo. I appreciate you. Good day from all the way over in Australia. It's probably is the day for you right now. It's 8.42 p.m. for me. Um, on a, So I'm wondering where that puts you. But hey, good day to you as well. Appreciate it. Lieutenant Dab. This team is a world beater. It's a Super Bowl or bust. Hope everything falls into place. I agree. I think that with the way the offense is playing, again, over these since Brock Purdy's taken over, this is one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. And and we already know what the defense is capable of. This is the makings of a uh, of a Super Bowl team. But it's just, I mean. How many Super Bowl-worthy teams have just, you know, found ways? The 49ers were a Super Bowl-worthy team, but sometimes shit just doesn't fall your way. So hopefully, like you said, hope everything falls into place because it would just be such a great story. Such a great story. All right. That's your takeaways, folks. I appreciate to all of you that left takeaways in the craziness that was Twitter after that game. I mean, it just... It just blew up, man. There was just everything to talk about, everything, uh, so many positive attributes that the 49ers had going for them. And I would be remiss if I did not end the podcast by wishing my, giving my well wishes to DeMar Hamlin, who has officially been released from the hospital that he was in. He has now been sent back to a, a hospital in Buffalo, I believe. He's tweeting. He seems to be recovering. Um, you know, there's still a road uh, to recovery that, that that he's still on. But, I mean, it just it completely warms me to my core knowing that he is okay. You know, it, it gets me emotional, makes me choked up uh, to know that, one, that had to happen to him, and, two, the amount of people that had to do their jobs in that moment 
when everything is on the line in order for him to live and and they did and he did and it's pretty incredible stuff man saving those people saved his life if they didn't act quickly and appropriately Mar Hamlin would no longer be with us his heart had stopped but they saved his life and that is an incredible burden that those EMTs and those medical personnel have to bear because for every life they save how many do you think they lose probably a lot it's not the norm you know and those people go to bed every night with bearing the burden of being medical personnel and and seeing death on a daily basis and doing their best to save lives and failing and you know i just have a great respect for that profession and I am so damn proud that they were able to save DeMar Hamlin's life. And it has made me so happy to see that he's recovering. And um, just an incredible story with a great ending. Probably be a movie. But uh, just to, I, I'm, I'm very happy that he is, that he is okay. And uh, it makes me happy. Well, all right, guys. Um, that's it for this podcast. I will be back on here a little later this week. Uh, I'm going to bug old KP, see if he wants to come on here and, and talk about it with me. We'll talk about the Seahawks. We'll talk about, you know, just kind of recapping the 49ers season as a whole and uh, and where we think this team is capable of going. And, and um, like I said, we'll we'll see. We'll talk about what we th- expect against the Seahawks. Um, love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. That is uh, entirely um, your doing. Um, please continue to support this podcast. If you believe in it, leave us a Leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening to us on. Um, download, subscribe, rate, review. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter, at Rob underscore louder, but that's certainly not required. It is if you want to be a part of the takeaways, though. But as you know, all good things must come to an end. For another week, this is Striking Gold, and I'm Rob, and we are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.